in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDancerDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 575 now of the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. And oh, yeah, we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show is a diner. Are you, are you starting to lose patience with the wait staff? Because we're supposed to be way over on the other side of COVID. Everybody wants a tip now, and at the same time, if you've been out lately, you know that service really suffers, and a lot of restaurants are still saying, hey, just be patient with us as we all lose our patience. Also, the case against travel. Ron's a big traveler, but uh, some people are saying, well, you Americans, maybe you should stay home, and here is the reason why. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. It's All-Star Week. In Seattle, Washington. As a result of that, the mayor had a big cleanup day where nobody showed up to clean up because the mayor does not do a good job. And just sidebar, if you're not a big sports fan, Major League Baseball chooses a city each year for the All-Star break. Yeah. And this year, Seattle was chosen, so there will be uh, players from all the baseball teams and fans from all the baseball teams descending onto Seattle. Yeah. Anyway, anyway I, was, I was driving my son to camp the other day. We had to go through the downtown core of Seattle. And we were talking about the fact that it is All-Star Weekend and people are coming from all over the world and players are coming from all over uh, the nation. And so we were interested to see what the city looked like as we were heading to camp. And I have to say, I looked over at my son. He asked me if he can cuss now. He'll like, he'll, he'll like, hey, I, I think I have. And, and I say, hey, don't cuss too much and just make sure that it's appropriate, right? And so he, he looked at me and he said, do you think it would be okay to cuss now? And I'm like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you got? And he goes, you know what? This city daddy still looks like a shithole, is, <laughs> is, is what he said. And I, and I said to him, I, I'm like, I still kind of have to agree with that. As a boss once told me, as soon as you, uh, and this was when we were at Cairo, my friend Carl is my boss and a great friend. He said, you know, when they unpacked the jungle, it became a tube of toothpaste in Seattle where what was happening in the jungle, it just spread throughout the city. And now the city's the jungle. And he moved away because of it. We see a lot of people moving away because of this. I, I, I was meeting with a cop yesterday in Seattle. And I said, what is going on with you? They said, you know, we are down to 500 people right now that actually will go out and patrol. Uh, when it came to pride that just happened here, we have this all-star weekend. How many cops should a city this size have? This, this size? 3,000. 3,000? You should be, yeah, you should have. Really? I thought it was like 1,200 or something. Well, think about New York City and, and how many cops are there. That's, that's what is it, 65,000 cops that they have in the city of New York? So, yeah, we're 3.6 million strong around the, the, the metro. And I would say in, in the heyday, we had around 3,000 cops, and 1,800 of those would be police that would be available to hit the streets. There's about 500 now. A lot of them, though, aren't regular cops. They're detectives. They're putting on their old uniforms, and it's mandated that they showed up to Pride. Do you know that 99 
Seattle police officers showed up and phoned in and they said, we're sick. We're not coming in for pride. They, they were a hundred cops short for that event. Uh, I had an issue the other day with a friend of mine who had someone break in their house. I'll tell, tell you more about this story another time. There was someone that broke in, was sleeping in their house. We called the police, called, I had to call them four times. 75 minutes later, finally someone showed up and they walked in. They said, sure enough, someone's sleeping in the house and I have a videotape of them just letting them go down the street. And I said, I can't believe you're letting them go. Why are you doing that? They said, the jail won't take them. I said, if they break in again, what will you do? They said, we'll let them go. I said, you have to be kidding me. He said, nope, this is the city of Seattle. And this is, this is, this is kind of the mandate right now. He had to be very careful because his camera was on. And, 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 and so in an unguarded moment, uh, because you can request when you step inside a residence to ask them to turn the camera off, which they will do. And in that moment, he's just like, Hey, you know what? We, this, it's really hard being a cop right now. There, there is not a lot of support. Uh, from the police chief on down. And we were just in a situation where we are trying to do the very best we can. Uh, they drove all the way from Capitol Hill and where we were was way, way out in West Seattle at the time. And there were no cops out in West Seattle to come. And even when they pulled up, it wasn't lights and sirens. Uh, they weren't in a hurry. Then yesterday I took my son, uh, downtown as we drove through the downtown core. As I pulled up to pick him up, there's a kid that's getting arrested by three Seattle cops, and I asked him what happened. He said his teacher had gone out into the park to eat lunch and was attacked in the park. Hmm. Attacked, assaulted. And so, and, and, and this all happening within 24 hours of, of, of someone walking into one of my friend's house, sleeping there, getting kicked out, and you know they're going to come back. You just know they're going to come back. Not being arrested, that not being a felon, that just drives me nuts. And, 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 and then for someone that's teaching a summer camp in downtown Seattle to, to, to walk out to the park so you can have a lunch and then to be attacked by someone, uh, and, and to pull, at least they were getting arrested. But I just have to say, Seattle right now is at a tipping point. We really are. There's an article out today about Portland, about how they are losing the citizens of Portland right now. And we've talked about this before. The targets in the Walmart just saying we're pulling out. We, 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 there's so many people that are walking in our stores right now and taking stuff and we can't stop them. Uh, a friend of mine who, who, uh, works for a business that owns a huge skyscraper downtown here in Seattle, they just sold it. And they bought another skyscraper over in Bellevue. They're moving all their businesses over there. And so what do we have here? We have Amazon and some tech companies where this mayor and this city council have really spit in their face. We better be careful here because what's happening in Portland will happen here. What is already happening in San Francisco, it's been happening for a long time, will happen here. We are at a tipping point, and here we are with this All-Star Weekend, and I'm telling you what, when you look up in the sky, you see the Space Needle, you see the sun, Seattle, you see the water, Seattle still looks beautiful, but when you really look at the streets and the sidewalks, Ron, we are at a point where this mayor and this police chief and this city council and really the state legislature, we better get together and figure this out or we will go the way of Portland, Oregon. We will go the way of San Francisco. And I tell you what, we do not want to have that kind of blight permanently here in Seattle. And I think Seattle's on the ropes right now. I really do. I, I hope we take a page out of New York City. I, I, there was an article I read this week where the current mayor of New York City has changed policies and said, we are arresting people. 
And if you are mentally unstable, we are involuntarily putting you into psychiatric care. And they go back and they trace this to, I believe it was the Ronald Reagan administration that did away with the psych ward. When you and I were, were children, there, you, that was a common thing that you would hear. Oh man, you're going to the psych ward. You're going to the funny farm. There were institutions where people were institutionalized. And uh, usually in your neighborhood or your school or whatever, there would be, you would hear an anecdotal story of like, oh, so and so's uncle uh, is, you know, went to the psych ward and yep. is institutionalized. And in that Reagan administration, there was a lot of abuses. There was a lot of mistreatment of patients. And so they basically dissolved that federal system and put all those people just out into free range people with mental illness. Mm. And so this is now what we have years later. New York has said, yeah, we hear you homeless advocates. We understand all the arguments. Don't care. If you are in New York City now demonstrating that you are mentally unfit, you are going to be arrested and they're going to be put into psychiatric care. They profiled several people. Um, one guy had been homeless for like a decade and he was living under one of the bridges when it was bitterly cold. And the, the, the cops just said, we don't care. You're being arrested. And we're, and they, and then they talked to him now and he's like, yeah, I'm severely schizophrenic. And it wasn't until I was institutionalized against my will. Cause I told all the social workers and all the police officers, I did not want to leave. So they did this against my will. And that's the thing we always hear in Seattle that the, these people have rights too, which I grant you. But in New York, they're like, don't care. We, we are, you, you voluntarily, if you're outside and it's See, four I disagree. degrees, that is care. That is I caring. That's why I, I it's, agree. it's not a don't care. It's, it's a, you know Don't what? Care we you, finally, we right. fi we finally care. I agree with you. Yeah. But that, that that's what the the but other you, side you, would say. This is where politicians have to step in, Ron, because you have to have places to take people. Right. And, and, and in talking to these officers the other day, you know, off off the record, and and with cameras off inside the house, which you can do, you can you can tell them I prefer that that you turn those cameras off inside. Uh, it it. Don't blame it on police. You can blame it on the police chief because I think this police chief is horrible. I really do. Uh, he can't recruit anybody. Nobody wants to work for him. I think he's doing a god-awful job. But I guess but, my point is the, there's the a regular, wave. What's that? There's a wave coming to say this experiment has not worked. We need to have institutionalized people that are schizophrenic, that have had mental breakdowns, that are on so much substance that they're not mentally stable and they uh, are a harm to themselves or others. And being a harm to yourself can be living in squalor uh, in a tent. And so that is harming yourself. And so I, I think let's look at this instead of just looking at what Portland does or looking at what uh, West Coast cities do. Let's look at what New York did. And they've turned the tide. And at least they're trying something to say the psych ward. I know the bad reputation. We maybe we need to bring back a version of that for 2023. Yeah. All right. More than 60 seconds. You guys, what's going on? Happy summer. Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. It is the summer driving season, and they have a huge sale coming up. They have this every summer, but they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever. This 
is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. Yeah, right now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at leschwab.com or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop by any location tell them ron and don sent you that's two hundred dollars with four select tires les schwab they've been doing the right thing since 1952 investors listen to me you know some investors aren't really investors they're flippers they're looking to buy a house and uh, flip it but did you know that 40 percent of all americans that hold a mortgage were refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0. That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now for investors, unless, unless you're willing to get in there and compete and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ron and Don sit down. Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ron and Don sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don Show. Let's talk about this. If you're dining in somewhere, you're still being asked, even though we're on the other side of COVID, to just be patient. But it seems like a lot of people that are sitting down and ordering food and trying to have a great night uh, are losing patience with having patience, Ron, what say you as you're out and about, you eat out a lot. What is kind of, what is kind of your experience out there? Cause I think this is a very unique economy right now where a lot of people that worked in the service industry, they didn't come back. And I think many of them are either living off the government spoon as we see now that billions, billions, billions of dollars was siphoned off during COVID. I think some of it is still being siphoned off. I think some people are still living off that. I know a guy that took his COVID money, went out, invested in crypto, and now he's living off that investment because he made a lot of money in crypto. Uh, what, what say you when it comes to being patient and having patience while dining out? And again, everybody is asking for a tip anywhere you go go to a food truck and immediately they're asking for a 25 percent tip if not i i think that the world has changed and that we're becoming a little more aware of service workers and so i i deliberately try to be more patient now um my expectations have changed i i think the thing that bothers me is and just to rewind a little bit the the, the frontline worker like your actual server or the actual cook um, you know, I was at a restaurant a while back and someone's like, oh, there's all these open tables. Why are they making us wait? It's like, they don't have enough people to serve. Like, yeah, there are open tables at this restaurant it was down by the, the water. And it's like, yes, there's a lot of open tables. Look at how many servers there are. There's two servers. So what do you want each server to have 25 tables? Like they just look, go look, count the number of cooks back there. Cause it's one of those open kitchen concepts. It's like, there's three cooks, three cooks, a bartender and two servers. So yeah, theoretically, if they were fully staffed, and this is a, a decent restaurant in Seattle, 
if they were fully staffed, then yeah, you would probably have 10 cooks back there, five or six bartenders, you know, seven or eight servers, and you can run 50 tables, but they just don't have it. So I think you, you do have to pay attention and look at that and not, you know, lose your mind. Here's the thing, though, that, that I don't understand and, and I, I feel duped by is when there's a random service charge that's in six point font on the back of the menu uh, that you're not expecting. And sometimes it can be 20, 25%. Um, I think you should have an honesty of your price. If the price of my meal um, is going to be, it is what it is. So I should be allowed as the customer to decide, do I want to spend, you know, $35 on a pasta dish? Well, maybe I'll walk away from that restaurant. But when you tell me that my pasta is $17 and then at the end you look at the check and it's like, oh, and they put a 22% service charge on that with an asterisk that says this goes to help our, our staff. I think that move is disingenuous. And then there's a room for an additional tip. Right. That's disingenuous. Charge me what it char- like post what it charges. And then, and this is the same thing we've talked about with Airbnb. I I had to rent an Airbnb. Me and my brother are taking a pizza trip. And it's like, oh, this is a good rate. You book the rate, you pick out your dates, you get all the way to the checkout thing. And then it's like, oh, and there's a $105 cleaning fee and there's a mandatory insurance supplemental policy and all this stuff. And you're like, I just stayed in a hotel for this much where I don't get all these random fees. Uh, and so uh, that's the part that bothered me. It's, it's in a hotel because you do get all the random fees here, but, in, here in Seattle. What are you talking about? No, Will, I understand. Will's. It's not a you don't get a hundred and five dollar cleaning fee oh. uh, on top of your room. But my point is, is like, just tell me what it is and then let me as the customer decide, because there's a big difference between the price of the entree and your final price when these service fees are added on. If you can't pay your employees raise the prices and let the public decide if they want to go to your It's weird the way that we eat, and it's also weird the way that we tip. So having a salad at the beginning of your dinner is not when you're supposed to have your salad, right? You're supposed to have your salad afterwards. Having dessert at the end of your dinner is not when you're supposed to have dessert if you're having dessert. You should actually eat dessert first, then you should go ahead and eat your proteins, and then you go ahead and eat your vegetables and your salad on the tail end of that. That's how nutritionally you're actually supposed to eat. Why is that? I'm not going to go into it right now, but it's true. You just give me a Google. Uh, also, tipping. The minute you sit down, and sometimes you'll get your water filled, but when it when you're sitting there and it's like seven, eight, nine minutes until the wait person comes over to ask you what you want to drink, it, the rule used to be when I worked in restaurants, Within a minute of the new guest sitting down, they should have a look, a touch, a word. They should have water. And you should be, even if they're not ordering a drink, you should have the drink menu in front of them at that time. In the menu in front. That doesn't happen anymore because of what you just talked about, Ron. There's not, a, there's, there's not enough people to wait on. And that's you. not the waiter's fault. A, so here, it's not. Here's the best thing to do, though, is when the waiter comes over, tip, carry cash with you. Tip them in cash in the beginning. Let them know what your expectations are. Let them know that that you would like to even tip more. 
uh, and you will psychologically with that waiter, those wait people, you will get pushed to the front of the line when they see that cash. So if I come in, I have lots of people, or sometimes even if it's just my son and I, and we were eating over in Ballard the other day, and I it was the same. I could see there were two people waiting on tables. There's probably thirty tables tables in this restaurant. It took almost ten minutes for them to come and get our drink order again. Not their fault. And I tipped them right there and then, and then the service was unbelievable after that. So that's yeah, a way to do first. It. Eat your salad last. That's what I'm, I tell everyone. I'll just end this segment with this because, you know, we talked about this a lot. But how was it for you psychologically traveling through Europe where they pay their employees and they do not want you to tip? Was it difficult for you? Uh, no. In fact, I, when you go to Molly Moon's here, it's really nice. They have a sign up on the wall that says the ice cream store no tipping. that you're not allowed to tip. Right. And you pay what you pay. And then they have an explanation on the wall, basically about why their ice cream is so expensive. They right. they, they explain it to you, and I, I patronize them all the time. Yeah, and I know that Molly Moon, when in talking to them, because I knew their marketing person used to ride my spin class. They said, "Hey, there's about three and a half months where we make all our money, and then the rest of the year it's either a push or it's a loser and a loss. So it's in those three and a half months that we really have to make sure." Uh, that we have enough people in our stores that are working. And the way that we have enough people in our stores working is we help them with their college education. We make sure they get paid a living wage. We help them with insurance. Uh, our people have been around for a long time. And you probably noticed if you've been to Nomali's, uh, a lot of those employees have been there from from high school and even yeah, into so college there are places, because, they're, because they're treated so well. But you're going to pay more for that ice cream. Yeah, and there are places in the world where the tipping is not the culture and that your meal costs what it costs, and that's what it costs. Yeah. All and right, so the case against travel in 60 seconds. I'm sure Ron will have a lot to say about this. Hey, it's Ron. I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also, then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.Loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out. Ron and Don, out.com, and uh, we'll find out where you're at on your real estate journey. Buying, selling, investing, relocating, downsizing, upsizing, buying a second home, creating a short-term rental. Yeah, we can help you with all that stuff. And uh, even becoming a flipper. We have, some, uh, we have a couple right now that want to go out and flip, so we're going to find them a, a home to flip. So anyway, before we get to that, though, let's talk about I remember Anthony Bourdain talking about this uh, and talking about the importance of travel. He would take us to places around the globe, and you probably watched him. I think the latest uh, 
I think he ended up on CNN before he passed, right? Correct. Yeah. So he would travel around the globe, and you would begin to see uh, little small towns and villages that you've probably never seen before, and he'd take his cameras there and begin to really celebrate the culture. Uh, and he was embraced for the fact that there were a lot of places around the world where people lived in complete poverty, and he could go in there with his cameras, tell the story, and then the next thing you know, they would be inundated with people from all over the world that would want to come and support these restaurants. I think later on, though, it kind of bummed him out because he would go back to revisit some of these places and find out, you know what? We did something here unintentionally that I didn't mean to do. Uh, We gave exposure to something, and a lot of these restaurants and villages ended up becoming inundated and not in a healthy way. And as a result of that, they kind of got Americanized and, and, and run over. That's not exactly what this article is about when it was talking about the case for not traveling. Ron, I know that you and Anthony Bourdain have always felt like traveling is very important. And at the same time, when you expose something, especially if you, if you are an influencer like he was, and you do that on, on TV screens, you do that on people's tablets or on phones, that, that sometimes can change. Uh, villages, towns, and, and restaurants and coffee shops in those villages and towns. And I think that that was something that he grew cautious of uh, the more that he did it, right? This, is, this was a, actually a really interesting article, and it was a critique against traveling. And, and I think you could expand it to a lot of things. It, it, for me, it came down to the, your intention and what you were trying to do. And they basically were saying, uh, and you can go find the article if you want, the case against travel, basically saying if you're, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, then don't travel. Don't travel if your agenda is, let me check off the boxes that I went and saw X, Y, and Z. Don't travel if it's because I'm, I'm really bored and I just need to feel something. Like they basically were saying, if you can't feel anything in your life and the only way you can feel something is if you're travel to a foreign country and experiencing something exotic, like that's, that's not the reason. Uh, I have such a clear recollection one time I was in somewhere in Mexico and I'd see a family, um, you know, it's the complete American family package. Uh, you know, the mom, the dad, and the two kids, and they're lugging way too much luggage around. Um, probably trying to be too judgmental, but the, so we're in Mexico, like, and they basically go, Oh, look, there's a Starbucks. Let's go there. And I had a visceral reaction to that being like, there's a Starbucks in the town that you came from, wherever you're from in America. You, why do you come to Mexico to go to the Starbucks in Mexico? Like go to the Mexican places in Mexico because that's why, in my mind, that's the wrong reason to travel. If you're going to travel to Mexico and like for me, the all inclusive is this, I'm going to travel from Iowa or Puyallup or wherever, go all the way to Cancun, let's say, then I'm going to go straight from the airport to an all inclusive resort. That's five stars, all my food, all my drinks, are there. I've got a cruise. All, all my cocaine. All my cocaine. Yeah. I got a, an activities director that's going to book everything for me, and I'm going to have a swim up to the bar. Everybody's going to speak English. It's going to be speaking a, English. It's going to be Americanized. I've got a, a Starbucks in the lobby. Um, uh, there's a guy that's going to take me to the jet ski, and then we're going to go on a boat trip, and then we're going to, like, I'm going to do all that for a week, get back in the van, go back to the airport and leave. My contention is you didn't go to Mexico. Yeah. You, you went to 
a little American outpost in Mexico. So I agree with this article that if that is your mode, where you are basically not wanting to do anything out of your comfort zone, like you want to go to England, but only eat in American chains, I'm going to eat at McDonald's, but it's in London. That's exotic. It's like, no, uh, go when, when you travel, if your agenda is I'm going to be open to being uncomfortable, I'm going to be open to getting lost in this city. I'm going to be open to really see how other people and other cultures live, what their politics is like, uh, what their lifestyle is like, what it means. What does it mean to be a person of this country? Then I think it does change you. I think it does open your mind up. I think it does expand your empathy uh, when you do that. But yeah, this article is correct that if you're just checking boxes and uh, you walk up to a thing, you're like, saw the Mona Lisa, check. Um, then, then yeah, stay home. I think it's really interesting with these all-inclusive resorts, and you may, and this, this does happen a lot in Mexico. And I was talking to a gentleman I met yesterday, uh, one of my very good friends. It's his neighbor, and he lives down in Mexico. And I said, where do you live? And he says, I live in this condominium community. It's, it's really amazing. There's eight buildings. They're building more. I said, do you, have you learned to speak the, the language down there? He's like, it's great. You don't have to. He said, because you're surrounded by all these expats from the United States and Canada, everybody speaks English, so it's awesome. And, and, and then he described to me the community that he's in, and it was very similar to the community that I was standing in when I was visiting with him up in Edmonds. And I'm like, why? why? And it's a very nice community that lives in Edmonds. Basically, if you took the community that's in Edmonds uh, by the marina there and you moved it down to Mexico. That's what this is. Right. On the other hand, I have, I have a neighbor who, uh, I was walking by the other day and they said, Hey, we need to do a sit down. And I said, what's going on? And they said, we just sold our business. We're going to sell our house uh, here on Queen Anne. And we, we are heading down to Mexico. And I said, and, and, and she was practicing her, she was, she was practicing her Spanish on on me and also on their dog because they actually rescued a dog from down in Mexico. His name is Poncho, and they're taking Poncho's going home is what we talk about. And and for her, it's very different. It's important. She doesn't want to live around an, a bunch of expats. She wants to live. They want to live, work, and play in the culture. They want to immerse themselves in the culture. And she was also working very hard on the language. And she said, "Hey, don't forget, you know, remind your son. One of the best things that he could do is learn a, a foreign language." Uh, which Spanish is no longer a foreign language, especially when you look at Spanglish, some of the top radio TV stations around the country. I mean, Spanish is here and it's not going anywhere. Uh, and so that was very different. I was like, wow, you got, you got, you guys are trying to immerse yourself in the culture versus taking your culture, putting it in your suitcase and taking it with you and having an expectation that McDonald's and Starbucks and people that speak English uh, are going to be there everywhere you go. So Yeah, so this article is right, and I think that it's wrong. It's a little bit cynical, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I, I think it made a good point. And sometimes it's hard to not be the box checker. Like, I, I've stood in front of the Mona Lisa for three minutes. and like, yep, saw the Mona Lisa. Like, I've done that. Uh, because you know, you feel like I'm in Paris, I need to go to the Louvre or like, you know, I took you to the Arc de Triomphe and to the Eiffel Tower. Cause it's like, yeah, they're famous for a reason. Remember my action, my reaction to the Eiffel Tower? I don't remember it. Oh, what'd you say? I thought it was kind of a dump. And then I did some research on it and I found out the same, it, it's very similar to the space needle. 
that was built for the World's Fair. It was never supposed to be permanent. And it was a temporary structure. Yeah. And it looks like that. It looks like God just picked it up and spray painted it and put it back down. And it's a bad paint job. It's a really bad paint job. It's a piece of junk. It's a cool piece of junk, though. I don't think it is. I don't think it's that cool. I, I, like I think it's a tire. big piece of junk surrounded by dirt. And people selling little mini versions of it all around it. That's fair. Yeah. It's a piece of junk. The only case used there is a Starbucks at the bottom. <laughs> so I grabbed my McDonald's hamburger and I, I, I went up the Eiffel Tower. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, Ron, just, just reach out. Yeah, Ron at ronanddon.com, or you can go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Yeah. Hey, buyers, this is when you buy in the summer. Uh, you talk to anybody out there right now. In fact, I ran into one of our clients the other day. It can, we, yeah, I was at Ken's Market, and I ran into Ollie and Serena, mm. and they're like, we are so lucky that we listened to you and Ron, and they bought their first home, first town home, and they said, we are so f- that we jumped in at that time. And you know what they were talking about? They weren't talking about their interest rate. They were talking about the appreciation that their town home has had since, the, since they purchased it. And they're like, you guys told us to jump in and buy and that this was an appreciation play. And they're like, yeah, now we can see as we buy this debt down. I said, you know, a realtor would want to come to you three, five years later because they get a lot of repeat business. Uh, I know some realtors that uh, that uh, that have helped buy and sell uh, the same home seven times, right? They keep going back because they want to resell that same house and they know the house well because they sold it the first time. Uh, I don't do that. I'm like, now that you have that house, you hang on to that. You're going to pay that down. That's not your forever home, but that's going to be a great rental for you. So you hang on to that and then you pull some of the cash and then and then you go buy your second home or your forever. They're still very young to buy their forever homes. They're in their 30s. So uh, anyway, all kinds of strategies. Buyers, buyers. Even Dave Ramsey right now, who's very conservative, is saying buy real estate now. You listen to the sharks on Shark Tank. They're saying buy real estate now. And we always say marry the property and then date the rate. And they are, they're all saying that. They're saying, hey, interest rates are not going back to 2.8, but they will go back to probably fives. And when they get in the fives, then you change that interest rate and you move on. And, and it's an appreciation play. And also the tax benefits from holding and owning real estate. That's what Donald Trump always talks about. I will give him that because there are so many benefits. And a lot of times when people get mad at him, when they don't pay any taxes because they don't understand the way that real estate works. And that's one thing he's not going to jail for, right? Because that is in the tax code. The tax code was built for people that own real estate. It was not for, f- built for people that rent real estate. You end up paying 40%. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, if you need us, just reach out, ronadonsitdown.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You'll see the Ron and Don Show. Oh, I don't know, Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.